0: Before we get started, I wanted to say thank you to today's sponsor, Louie and Leia, a subscription box service for new moms, dads, and babies. Get 20% off your order with the code BABY at Louie L-O-U-I-S and Leia L E A dot com. This is Diapers and Disciples episode 98.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm peeking over your shoulder. <laughs> it feels so weird. <laughs> Okay,
0: sorry. That's okay. You can laugh at my intro. That's fine.
1: No, it was a great intro. <laughs> <laughs> it's like sharing the same straw or the same drink at a movie theater. Yeah, it's really That's romantic. So romantic.
0: On Diapers and Disciples, we're talking about living out the Great Commission as a family. We're Cameron and Amber O'Hearn, and today's episode, Cameron has a chance to speak with one of his heroes, Doctor Peter Kraft.
1: So, it's a very philosophical episode, so get out your brains, put away your hearts. <laughs> it's actually really, it, it's, it's a lot of things. This guy's my hero. And uh, for those uh, regular listeners, if you remember episode 82 is when <laughs> I shared a st- the story of the first time I met Dr. Peter Kraft. and that does not come up in this interview because it was really embarrassing. So if you don't know that story, go listen to episode 82. Um, But this was just a great interview with uh, one of my heroes. We talk about family life, um, you know, relating to our kids with justice and mercy, dealing with anger, Um, personal prayer, like how do we even do it as a parent? He had some amazing insights about that that I didn't think about, and uh, it's helped me this past week with Mm. my prayer. Uh, What do we do now?
0: Well, I just want to say I love what he said about embracing God's will and how I just, I heard something recently where someone was saying, you know, this is not God's will. This is not God's will, what we're going through right now. And I was, for some reason, that just kind of struck me as wrong. Yeah. And then in this episode, the way that um, Dr. Crafe talked about God's will and embracing God's will just uh, really struck me.
1: I almost forgot to mention uh, Peter Kreeft's book, which we are promoting uh, with this episode. It's called Ask Peter Kreeft, the 100 most interesting questions he's ever been asked. So Peter Kreeft has written over 90 books, close to 100, and he's given thousands of lectures, and he's heard a lot of different questions on his journeys. And uh, this is his way of compiling the most interesting questions he's been asked into one place. So like... Um, Why are so many philosophers weird? Or, what's your favorite method of prayer? Or, why is the Catholic Church obsessed with sex? Have you ever witnessed a miracle? What ten books would you take to a desert island? And what's the hardest question you've ever been asked? In the interview, I also asked another question that my mom had that uh, I wanted to ask him. So, there's a question for my mom in there, too. Check out this book. Um, I read it. It's a really quick read. We'll have uh, info about it in the show notes. And uh, without further ado, here's my interview with Dr. Peter Kraft. So, Dr. Kraft, thanks for joining us. Uh, It's a privilege, and uh, I want to thank you personally for how your books discipled me when I was a young man. And uh, so I read Handbook of Christian Apologetics, then I got into your Heaven Trilogy. I think there's three books. Love, love is stronger than death. I, I have to say, though, my favorite book is Jesus Shock.
2: Yeah, mine too. If if I could uh, make everybody in the world read any one of my books at gunpoint, that would be it. Yes, because that's the center of everything. Yes, I love that.
1: Uh, so you wrote this book, ask Doctor, ask Peter Kraft, Um, the hundred most interesting questions he's ever been asked. And uh, what led you to write this book?
2: I really don't know. Uh, I'm an absent-minded professor, so I'm not into method and self-analysis and uh, uh, figuring things out before I do it. So I guess it was just a moment of inspiration that uh, has something to do with the Holy Spirit and my guardian angel. Love it.
1: Um, So you're talking to... Hundreds of married couples. Uh, that's our main audiences. Uh, we want to reach out to those who are, our, our primary audience is those who are newly married and are, are dealing with the uh, cold water being poured over the head of, you know, the first time in their life that the world doesn't revolve around them and they have young kids and they're losing sleep and losing sanity. So that's, that's who mm-hmm. we're talking to. So the first question is, and this is from the book, and honestly, this is probably going to be the easiest interview, <laughs> because there's I'm interviewing you about a book of the 100 best questions you've been asked, or most interesting questions, so it's almost like my work. And each center. of those
2: questions is like an interview, so yeah. this is just yeah. a couple more
1: questions. Right. So one, one of the questions that I loved was, uh, what is marriage, and why is it so great?
2: well i uh since i'm absent-minded and i have a, a memory like a sieve i don't remember what i said then but what i say now is that it's an image of life itself uh, and it's a horizontal image of our vertical destiny to be married to god uh to be totally one with god uh, and the best preparation for that is being totally one with another person especially the person that god designed for us Uh, Men are designed for women. Women are designed for men. So uh, here are two pieces of the jigsaw puzzle that have to fit together. And there are always rough edges. uh, And the fit is not a a, a mathematical fit. Uh, In fact, it's a fit that's so wonderful and crazy that uh, it might cause fits. (laughs) But it's the greatest adventure in human life. The adventure of giving your whole life to somebody else.
1: And that's what we... We all had in mind when we were, you know, at the altar saying our vows. But once you get three, five, seven years into marriage, you start to forget why it's so great.
2: Yeah, that's that's why you have to have faith in divine revelation and believe that God knows better than you do, because we're in this veil of tears and valley of the shadow of death and through a glass darkly uh, and we don't see what we believe most of the time what we what we see and feel is just the skin the surface but under the skin there's a, a beating heart and a, and a working brain and a, uh, an amazing system going on
1: what's wrong with getting married for personal happiness
2: doesn't work <laughs> uh, doing anything uh, for personal happiness doesn't work it's a bad psychological principle. It's like having ingrown eyeballs. Uh, we're made for each other. We're happy only when we forget about our own happiness and and do something worth doing for its own sake.
1: Yes, and in, in one of your books on heaven, I remember you wrote about the word ecstasy and stand. It correct me if I'm wrong, but it means something like to stand outside of yourself.
2: Exactly.
1: Okay. And so if we're made in the image of the triune God, we're made to be continual self-gift to another. And what you're saying is if we're just... uh, (laughs) I love this term that you use elsewhere too. You might have... I don't know if I've read it, but we're we're all kind of feeling fondlers and we're just looking (laughs) inside... And we're trying to feel okay and do things for our own personal happiness. But what you're saying is the great adventure, the greatest joy is actually giving it away, not looking at yourself.
2: You know, yeah, that's, that's built into our very being because God's a Trinity and each of the three persons gives himself away to the others. Uh, and if we don't do that, we're just not living in reality. So
1: I want to uh, shift gears. We've had. A great. One of the great reasons for having you on the podcast is because you're so incisive uh, with your answers,
2: and um, you. I get uh, bored with myself. That's why I don't <laughs> like long answers. <laughs> well, my favorite sermon of all time is the four-word sermon that God preached to Saint Catherine. He said, "Here is all of divine revelation in four words: I'm God, you're not."
1: I love it, um, but. What I was going to say is we, we've had, you know, almost 100 episodes up to this point, and we've had so many different topics. So when I was uh, reading your book, I was glad to see that you've answered some of the questions that we've had on this podcast and uh, the topics that we've been interviewing about. So one of them is, um, can a married couple use NFP in a contraceptive way? And how, how yes can and see- no. okay.
2: If you mean in a contraceptive way with the intention of preventing birth, no, that's a bad intention. If you mean with the right intention of regulating birth and distinguishing between uh, fertile and infertile periods, yes. Uh, Like the rhythm method, but much more effectively and efficiently, uh, NFP fits the nature of the sex act and, and God's intention perfectly. But even a a legitimate method uh, can be used for a wrong end. Mm. And if the wrong end is uh, in place, and if you just don't want kids, uh, and you're trying to sterilize your marriage, and you just realize that NFP works better than uh, artificial means, uh, that's still wrong. Mm. In other words, what's wrong with artificial contraception is not just that it's artificial. it's our nature to be artificial, to have technology. Uh, what's wrong is is the intention. Mm. Or to put it a different way, uh, two things have to happen for an act to be right. It has to have a right end and it has to be the right means. Mm. So you can use the right means for the wrong end, or you can say the end justifies the means, and if I have a... Good and it's okay if I have a bad means. Both are mistakes. Mm. Yeah. Th-
1: there's a lot of couples who get hung up on, you know, like, am I in a grave situation that requires me to use NFP to, you know, avoid children, but still be open to children kind of through the back door, so to speak. Um, but what you're saying is look at the intention of the heart, of your heart. Are you. Are you saying to this person in this act that you are open to children even though you're you're um, being intimate at a time when you know it most almost certainly won't happen
2: yeah there there are gray areas, and our motives are almost always gray because there's almost always a little good in the best in the worst of us and a little bad in the best of us. But it's the act itself that we can judge clearly because God has revealed pretty clearly what the principles are. Mm. So if you're online with God, if your will is to do his will, if you know what the absolutely, absolute, absolute is, uh, and if you believe everything that he's revealed, then you're clear. Mm. Uh, You're still not clear about your motives. Am I being selfish here? Am I uh, uh, trying to escape something? Well, maybe so, maybe not. Uh, God deliberately keeps us in the dark about ourselves because he doesn't want uh, us to be absolutely certain about ourselves. He wants us to be absolutely certain about him. Hmm. So the fact that there is uncertainty and gray areas doesn't mean a moral or intellectual defect. That's natural. Hmm. Well,
1: consider that question answered. That was great. You didn't need an hour for that. (laughs) Love it. Um, Yeah.
2: Only theologians would take an hour to answer that question.
1: Those theologians. Oh, man.
2: Um. So
1: first comes love, then comes marriage, then... Uh, oh, here we go. Here's a great question. How can we be both just and merciful, both tough and tender, especially with our children?
2: Well, here too, here too, let's distinguish the means and the end. The end is you have to be both just and merciful. Those are two obligations. Uh, You can't compromise either one. Uh, The end, how do you combine those two? What in particular do you do now in this situation in order to avoid being either unjust or cruel? Uh, There's no one clear answer to that question. Uh, That's ethics. Uh, The principles are clear. Uh, The application of the principles to different situations is quite relative and quite changing because the situations are quite changing. So God deliberately provides very clear principles uh, and deliberately doesn't provide very clear, this is exactly how you do it in, in this respect, like uh, the buttons on a keyboard, so as to encourage our creativity. And if you see that application of those principles not as a, uh, a problem, but as an invitation to creativity, and if you see your life as a work of art, uh, then you're not gonna be disturbed at the fact that you might have somewhat different answers than, than other people. That's not moral relativism. As long as all the principles are in place, uh, apply them in creative and different ways.
1: And I, I guess part of that is knowing that you will mess up.
2: Of course. <laughs> yeah, humility, uh, just another form of realism. Jesus uh, deliberately chose a jackass to uh, take him into Jerusalem to do his most important work, and he has the same taste in animals today. (laughs) Uh
1: That's hilarious!
0: Hi, friends. Just wanted to take a quick break to tell you about today's sponsor, Louis and Leah. The mission of Louie and Leah is to help better prepare parents from birth to first birthday. As many of you know already, whether you're preparing for the birth of your first child or your seventh, it can always seem overwhelming. So much to think about and prepare for. That's why Eric and Christine, parents of four, began Louie and Leah Louie and Leia offers subscription boxes that make the perfect gift for parents. With eight boxes to choose from, from birth essentials to baby's first birthday, they even have one for dads, Louie and Leia wants to care for you and your new little one. The birth box, for example, includes a knotted hat, a bamboo nightgown, scratch mittens, muslin swaddle, birth story card, toothbrush, toothpaste, tumbler, socks, mirror, hairband, lip balm bathroom essentials, and more. You could basically just bring this box to the hospital and be all set for labor and delivery. They also offer free ebooks and resources, which are extremely helpful. I've downloaded them myself. One of those is 40 questions to ask about the birthing facility, labor, and baby. Another is a packing checklist, and they also have a checklist of photos to take during the first day with your baby. Louie and Leah is a family-run business that prioritizes being eco-conscious and pro-life. In fact, a dollar from every box sold goes towards pro-life organizations across North America. I love that. Visit louieandleah.com and use the discount code baby at checkout and save an additional 20% off. That's Louie, L O U I S and Leah, L E A dot com.
1: So speaking of uh crazy kids, um I so I, I had a really good prayer life and then I had kids and then I've try I've been trying to figure out uh for the past six years, um, what my prayer life looks like and I know it, it involves getting up earlier and um uh, having something to read scripture and uh, having intentional focus time every day, but it's still difficult. Kids are unpredictable and, and
2: all that, but um, well, that's, that's part of God's design because having kids is, well, part of God's design and to have kids is to have less time for everything else, including personal prayer. So that's not a, um, a problem that's the solution or at least the uh, the intention that, that God is putting into your life here. So what is what is he trying to teach us with with that problem, that difficulty? Uh I think there's something very positive that he's trying to teach us here. It's not just here's a problem to be overcome, here's a suffering to be endured. Uh, it's rather uh it can improve your prayer life because it can unify your prayer with your work. Your work can be a prayer. You're supposed to pray without ceasing, says St. Paul. Well, in in the, the usual sense of prayer, that's impossible. You can't keep uh, praying literally and in, in words or even in a state of contemplation or meditation uh, while you're doing most of your daily activities. Or can you? Uh, Dietrich von Hildebrand, a very great Catholic philosopher, has a category called the super actual. He says some things are not just actually there, uh, like your foot or the words you're speaking right now, and not just potentially there, like uh, a kick for your foot, which you're not doing what you're planning to do if you're playing football, uh, but rather are super actual. They're there not just as a potency, but as an intention. Your morning offering offers everything to God. And if you mean that, God takes you at your word. And even though you forget him during the day, uh, your morning offering makes all those things to be prayers, if you mean it with all your heart. Uh, The fact that you uh, interact with your spouse uh, all day long, uh, you're not consciously aware that that's your spouse. But of course, unconsciously, you are. And that's super actual or the fact that you're young or old or male or female or rich or poor. That's going to influence most of the stuff that you do, most of the choices that you make, not consciously, but really. Well, your intention to honor God and love God in everything that you do, your prayers as well as your works, is one of those super actual things that can transform your work into a prayer
1: so i you know i'm sitting down to pray i have my scripture i'm getting in the zone so to speak and then my my kids start wailing from the other room because the other kids not mm-hmm. sharing and my my first instinct is getting and the, angry
2: and the and the simple answer and the simple answer to that is realize that all things work together for good uh to those who love god and therefore this interruption even though it's not a nice interruption, hey, daddy, I love you, give me a hug, but a bad one, because you're fighting, is part of the will of God for you. So you never have to swim out of that divine river. You just have to negotiate different rapids in it.
1: Yeah, it it seems like, well, God would want me to pray, (laughs) certainly, and by prayer I mean sit here and have a conversation with him, but what he really wants me to do is go over there and change that diaper or whatever it is.
2: Yes, and the reason he wants you to do those two very different things is exactly the same. Uh, Trust me and do my will. And in your quiet time, his will is for you to pray. And in your wild times, his will is to leave one form of prayer and embrace another form. I think it was St. Francis, maybe it was St. Benedict, who said to his monks, uh, if you're in a state of, of intense contemplation and if God gives you the beatific vision and some inconvenient stranger knocks at the door asking for a handout uh, and you ignore it and continue to pray, God does not hear your prayer. Wow. But if you turn from prayer and uh, and give him the cup of cold water, uh, that's the highest prayer for you at that time.
1: I, I think the... Um, the problem might be with some people um, is that they say yes my my life should be a prayer and therefore um I'm gonna wake up whenever I wake up I'm going to just start my work day right away because you know I work in ministry or whatever and my whole life is a prayer so <laughs> I'm praying always and uh how, how do we how do we make sure we have the balance of set times of prayer, where we're carving it into our schedule, but also realizing that prayer should be constant.
2: To see both halves of the same coin. Uh, The secular is not an alternative to the sacred. The sacred is the meaning of the secular. Uh, God gives us liturgical times and places, churches and masses, uh, in order to show us that that's what all of life is. But if he didn't focus, if he didn't separate the sacred and the secular, we'd forget the whole thing. What a focus is, uh, is not a narrowing, but a, a, a centering. And the center is part of the whole circle. So that's what, what formal prayer or literal prayer is. It, it uh, It's a way of reminding us that all of life can be a prayer. So if you don't have that reminder, you forget. So it's not the whole versus the part. It's the part is a way of seeing what the whole is. Hmm. And without that special part, without that sacred time, uh, not only does that sacred time disappear, but the pervasive prayer nature of all times also disappears.
1: That's really good advice, because when I go to pray, I do feel like I'm entering a a sacred time and space, almost like I'm merging off the road to go on this beautiful, you know, winding road of mystery and like Mm -hmm. beauty. But then my, my kids start crying or, or whatever it is, or my distractions come and I'm forced to veer back onto this road that seems very plain and ordinary. And it seems to impose itself upon sacred time with the lord and my first instinct is just to think that i i get um anxious or i i get um i feel like i'm not praying i i guess that's that's the way to put it mm-hmm. but, but uh y- your advice is is awesome because god's will covers everything and if i can just recognize god's will in every single moment um yep. that's the key
2: Prayer, in the usual sense of the word, is not the absolute. And changing your kid's diapers is not the absolute. And making love to your wife is not the absolute. Uh, God's will is the absolute. And God, would, God's will says to you, here, I'm giving you an opportunity to pray, pray. And then he says, here, I'm giving you what you call a distraction, which is really my will in another form. Go change the kid's diapers. And then you say to your wife, uh, I love you. Let's make love. And that's God's will, too. And they feel very different, and they should. Uh, but they're all part of the same thing. You never get outside of God's will. <laughs> In fact, you never should. If you, if you do, that's called sin.
1: Yeah, it's like I'm sitting there talking to the father. Like, let's say he's just on the other couch. I'm just talking to him. And when my kid starts crying, it's almost like the father's saying, Oh, um, your kid, your kid needs you. Or my kid needs yep. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, exactly. It's the same father, it's the same will. So I, I shouldn't think of them as two separate roads, so to speak. Yep,
2: yep. And we forget that, uh, inevitably, and we have to be reminded of it again and again and again. We fall off the horse. There's nobody who never fell off the horse except the Blessed Virgin Mary. So we have to keep getting on the same horse again and again and again. As long as you know that's the horse and you got to get on it, you're okay. How can we
1: uh learn to appreciate our spouse and our kids again when life just gets really hard? you know work is not going as as I thought it would the mortgage is hanging over my head um I'm annoyed constantly like how would you how would you say to what would you say to someone who's just needs to recapture that love and innocent joy they once had?
2: Well, I'm not a psychologist, I'm a philosopher. So I can't give you special advice from the bottom up, uh, but uh, as a philosopher, I can I can give you advice from the top down. That is, uh, remind yourself that this is God's will for you. This very harried and hassled situation, and this very nervous and and, and worried and fearsome consciousness that you have now—that's that's just not an obstacle from the devil. It's also something that God has put in your way to strengthen you. Uh, so keep reminding yourself of the thy will be done, which is the essence of all prayer. And if you don't mind military imagery, keep saluting God because he's your commanding officer every moment of the day.
1: Wow, that's a great image. that That inspires me to, next time I change a diaper, I'm just going to do it like a man going to battle. Just like... This exactly. is my will being turned into something good and holy, and uh, this is for the king.
2: Yeah, this, God, this is what you want, and therefore this is the thing that's best for me. And the fact that I don't see how this is so great is also one of the things that you want for me. And I trust you. You're smarter than I am. So,
1: Peter Grave, your analogy of the universe as a womb, now I've, I've heard... I read it first in your book on heaven, and then I've heard elements of it in many talks you've given, but can you explain it? Because it's, it's my favorite analogy for how to view this, this universe.
2: All right, let me start with something that at first might seem not to be part of an answer to that question. The single most memorable and famous passage in the entire history of philosophy is Plato's Cave. It's a picture of people who have been born into a little cave and all they see is shadows on the wall. And then they discover that there's an entrance to the cave and they can turn around and see much more and eventually get out into the outside world, uh, which is Plato's image for education. That's fascinating because we each did, in fact, escape from a little cave into a much larger world, which we didn't understand at all at first and which was just immense and startling. Uh, And that's when we were born. And I suspect that what happens when we die is something psychologically similar. We emerge from a world which at the time we thought was all that there was into a much larger world that is astonishingly mysterious and beautiful and wonderful and crazy and and whatnot. Uh, Heaven's got to be as much more than Earth as Earth is more than the womb. Uh, and you look back at your life in the womb and you say, you know, I never saw the world before, but I was I was part of it from the beginning. And I suspect that when we get to heaven, we'll look at our life on earth and say, you know, that was the first part of my life in heaven. I was in heaven's womb. It's called this little universe. It's only 13.7 billion light years long, and that's, that's a short time compared with eternity. But when I was in it, I thought it was really big. That's probably what we thought when we were in our mother's womb, too.
1: All right, let me riff on that. Would you say the placenta is the church and the umbilical cord is the Eucharist?
2: Ooh, that's a nice image, yeah. Yeah. Analogies are are meant to be played with. They're not simply either or. They're, hey, pretty good. Not a perfect analogy, but here's a better one. Uh, And... (sighs) a thing can be more than one thing at the same time.
1: Great. Well, uh, we're running up on our time, so I just have one uh, final question from my mom. (laughs) Because we've had uh, debates over this Mm -hmm. a a lot. Um, uh, My mom wants to know, Dr. Peter Kraft written like 90 books. um, Is there food in heaven?
2: Well, uh, Let's deduce an answer to that We believe in the resurrection of the body Alright So we're going to have bodies what, what are those bodies like? Well we don't know much about them uh, But we've seen one of them Christ's resurrection body And did Christ eat food After his resurrection? Yes he did uh, If you look at the gospels uh, On one occasion he appears to his apostles And they think he's a ghost And to prove that he's not a ghost He eats food So we will be able to eat food in heaven. Will we want to? Probably not. There's probably so many more great things that we can be doing at the time. But if there's a good reason to do it, we will be able to do it because Jesus did it.
1: There it is, Mom. You happy? (laughs) Um, Dr. Kraft? it's been an absolute joy uh, connecting with you. Um, Thank you for all the the many books you've written and the talks you've given and all your work evangelizing the culture on the front lines, college campus. Um, thank you for the way your work has influenced me and discipled me as a young man. And uh, I'll just close this in a prayer. Father, son, Holy spirit, father, thank you for uh, your will. Thank you for your kingdom which is around us and calling us to be better men and fathers and husbands and wives and mothers. We pray for the grace to pray, to love our children again every day, to uh, lift up our crosses joyfully, and to love our spouses and um, recommit to our spouses and uh, do it all for you and your glory. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Father, to that. Holy
2: Spirit. Thank you. Well, it's been fun. Thank you for your great questions, and God bless your work.
0: Hi, friends. You have been listening to Diapers and Disciples. To find out more about the podcast, you can visit diapersanddisciples.com. You can also visit us on Facebook and Instagram at Diapers and Disciples. To learn more about supporting the show, visit patreon.com slash disciples Thanks so much for listening today. Until next time, God bless.